Welcome back to the MicroConf Podcast. This week, we'll be listening in on a conversation I had on a Twitter space with Tony Chan from cloudforecast.io. So you will notice that the audio quality changes once we dive into the interview because you can only do Twitter spaces on your mobile device. And so I was using my Apple AirPods instead of my normal podcasting mic. In this Twitter space, we discuss microconf growth that happened just a couple weeks ago here in Minneapolis. And we talk through our key takeaways, some things that we learned both from the hallway track, the attendees we spoke with during the activities, and some things we took away from the speakers. We also talk about some experiments we were running with the format of the event and whether those panned out or not, and how we'll be thinking about those for next year in Denver. Before we dive into that, tickets for MicroConf Remote are on sale at microconfremote.com. This remote event, we are diving into all things money. So we'll be talking about SaaS metrics. We'll be talking about financing. I'll even be doing a talk on personal finance investing as a founder. So it's all through that lens of being a bootstrapped founder. What are the things that you should be thinking about around money? It's going to be a really interesting event. We hold it for 90 minutes a day over three days, so you're not sitting staring at a screen for hours on end, and we're using this amazing new platform that's like, it's three-dimensional walkthroughs. It's like a first-person event experience, so you really want to check this out because we are really going all out on this event, and I think it's going to be pretty amazing. So microconfremote.com to get your ticket there. And lastly, tickets for our next MicroConf local are on sale. That local is in London, and we have speakers like Asia Arangio, Brennan Dunn. I plan to show up. It's going to be pretty fun. Microconf.com slash local dash London. If you are in the London area or can get there, that is happening just in a few weeks here in mid-May. And so those are the things that are on the docket. And with that, let's dive into my conversation talking about Tony and my takeaways from Microconf growth in Minneapolis a couple weeks ago. So welcome folks who are filing in. Thanks for joining us. You might recognize my voice, Rob Walling. I'm the host of Startups for the Rest of Us. And if you were at MicroConf last week, uh, we were able to connect. Joining me is Tony Chan. He is the co-founder of Cloud Forecast. They are AWS spend management and reporting. And Tony has been on Startups for the Rest of Us. He was at MicroConf last week. And uh, Cloud Forecast is also a tiny C batch three company, three or four. Yep, that's three. three. It's starting to yeah. blur for you. So many companies out there. Yes, <laughs> it, it it is. We're about to fund the eighty, you know, when when eighty fourth, eighty fifth, depending on how the numbers shake out. So the batches are starting to to be you know a little blurry between between them in my mind. But um, yeah, man, thanks for coming on the show today. Where are you calling in from? I'm I'm calling in from Chicago, so um, nice. Nice. It's been. I mean, you're you're in Minnesota, so the weather's relatively the same. But it's been pretty great weather the last few days. Um, there's some possible tornado activities, but um, mm. that is the typical how we do it in in the Midwest. You have like some yeah. meteor weather, and then all of a sudden snow. And that was like the what happened microtown too. We had I think one good day of weather, and then all of a sudden it started snowing. Just for like a couple hours, didn't even stick. But it's just the unpredictability. The spring is such a bizarre season in the Midwest. Having only lived here six years, it's still 
still kind of surprising each each year. Yeah, and I think the cool part was it didn't prevent people from doing things, right? Or going outside or doing the small meetups that people were having. They just were like, okay, it's cold. We'll all go out and do things. And I think that was the cool thing, right? People were still very motivated to do things versus staying at the hotel or staying at the hotel room. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point related specifically to MicroConf because when we decided to move it away from Vegas, um, I definitely had a concern that Las Vegas is tends to be pretty warm when we have it in April, um, April or early May. And although what, like some years it is actually quite cold and it, there's been like windstorms to where we couldn't go outside. I mean, really crazy stuff. But, you know, compared to Minnesota this year and then Denver next year, I was definitely concerned for me that people would come and you know basically not like the weather complain about the weather and that that would be a major factor Mm -hmm. and i don't i haven't heard i i just i felt like nobody cared like we threw on coats and you walked with a group of founder friends and you walked to the restaurant a block away and it was chillier than i would like it to be but it just didn't it didn't actually matter you know it was noise yeah 100 percent. i agree with that so let me lay out just a couple logistics for folks um who may or may not have attended MicroConf Growth in Minneapolis last week. It was uh, kicked off with a welcome reception Sunday, April 3rd. And, you know, it was, I mean, aside from we ran a couple of MicroConfs last fall, but like this is the first time really having a growth event in the U.S. And I just saw like old friends and new internet friends and then new people who I hadn't met before streaming in to, um, to the welcome reception. And that was, a, that was like a really good feeling of like, we're here and we made it, you know, because just every every time I heard about a new COVID variant or every time I heard about, you know, new whatever masking protocols or just all this, all the craziness that's been going on in the world, I would just, you know, turn to Xander in, in the months leading up to microphone, right? Of like, I, I think we can have it. I think we'll have it. But like, you just don't know mm-hmm. given how fast things are changing these days. And what number of microconf was this for you total? So... It's pro. I'd need to count, but I think it's like twenty fifth, including. You know, we've done two per year mm-hmm. most of the years, and then we started. We did some local. We did four and three locals last year. So these are in person microcoms, not including virtual events. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do think it was a twenty fifth one, um, which is, I think, just we're just now starting to figure out how to do, <laughs> how to do it at twenty five. That's not true. Xander's known how to do it really well since he started twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, but. Um, I finally feel like I have my legs, legs under me. So this was also a smaller event than usual. And a, a lot of that due to both COVID concerns, but also with the essentially travel opening up in what, really January, February, maybe a bunch of people told me I have a co- ticket to microconf and I have so much business travel as well as like two personal vacations with my family that I just can't do another trip. So it's this weird confluence of things. Either people aren't traveling because of COVID or they're traveling so much because the COVID restrictions are no longer there. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, I think we had two, close to 300, 275 um, mm-hmm. last time we did it in Vegas. And there were, wound up being about 160, I believe. Was it, did, did you feel like this was my first one, like between mm. the 300, like that's a pretty big drop off. But I've also mm-hmm. heard feedback from people like it felt like the early days of microconf. Like, what, what, you know, how did it feel for you, especially like seeing smaller numbers? I, you and I actually didn't really connect, get to connect because you were really busy, you know, running the thing. So I'm kind of curious to hear 
you know, how was it different, you know, seeing the, the numbers or different numbers uh, between this year with everything that's going on versus previous ones? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I think the feel of the event is different when it's 160 versus 275. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is, it's not night and day. I mean, it's not like 160 versus 500. That is really, a, 500 is like a sea of people, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it was noticeably, it was noticeable that I could talk to almost everyone. You know, 160 people, you can, uh, over the course of three days, you can have a conversation with a, with a good chunk of those people. Um, so I think on that side, uh, smaller events are, they, there's a plus, there's pros to having smaller events, you know, um, on the, on the con side, because it was smaller, there were definitely dozens of people that have come to a lot of microconfs that I have seen year after year that didn't come. Mm -hmm. And that's part of it being a smaller event. Yeah. Some people have to not come, you know, so there were, you know, it's friends, it's the patio 11s. It's the, uh, I mean, but you know, there's a Mike, um, I forget Mike's last name, but uh, Brennan Dunn, like there are people who've been to 15, 16 microconfs who didn't, who didn't come this year. Yeah. You know, even like Ruben Gomez and such, who mm -hmm. just all have different reasons, varied reasons for not being able to make it. But I, so I think that for me was the, pr the pro is it was smaller. So it was more intimate. And mm -hmm. I would, I wouldn't disagree that it was similar to earlier years, but also the cons are that I didn't get to see everybody that I would have liked to. Yeah. How, do, do you happen to know how many, how many, uh, what's the percentage wise that there were new attendees this year versus yeah. previous? Felt like yeah, there was, it was a lot more. 50-50. Okay, so yeah, you get, that's a pretty good uh, acquisition rate of new people coming through. Yeah, yeah, and usually it's in the sixties of returning, so mm -hmm. it's usually like sixty-five, thirty-five returning, or you know, sixty-forty returning. So um, definitely, I think a lot of folks you know took advantage of the ability. I mean, for, for so many years we sold the event out so quickly that people couldn't get in. And I think some folks took advantage of this as a year or two, basically get, you know, be able to get a ticket. I think having it in the Midwest is also, and, and at a easy airport to get to. Um, and I think a lot of folks, a lot of folks I talked to said this was like the first event that they were doing that uh, post COVID, like I yeah. hadn't been to a conference since 2019, basically. Yeah. Same here. That's what I, when I connected with people, it sounded like for many people, this was the first big conference as well. And um, the beautiful part was everyone was really respectful with like just making sure that they were careful as well and uh, following protocol and making sure they were tested before they came. I believe there was a few people that um, dropped out last minute, like even the day of or the morning of because they tested positive. So I think that yeah. that really says a lot about the, the community uh, with the microconf. Yeah, I think there was a lot of care, um, a lot of care and thought, you know, put into the by attendees. And um, I think, you know, I also credit producers Andrew with the communication in advance of just like, we're, we really take this seriously. Like we, we do not want to be some type of super spreader event. And we know that there's, everyone knows there's risk, right? We all know there's risk going to an event in person like this, but um, you know, cross fingers that everything, everything turned out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about a few things. Um, I want to hear from you about maybe a handful of your key takeaways and you and I can go back and forth on these. And when I asked you to prepare for this, I said, you know, they can be takeaways. There can be as many or more takeaways from attendees, like from the hallway track, you know, they don't mm -hmm. all have to be from the talks, but um, I'm just curious if you want to kick us off with, you know, again, I guess to, for folks who are showing a, 
up now. Um, I'm with Tony Chan. He's the co-founder of Cloud Forecast, AWS, uh, AWS Spend Reporting and Management. And uh, we were talking about microconf growth in Minneapolis last week at our key takeaways and kind of uh, just discussing some fun yeah. stuff around the event. So yeah, in terms of takeaway, yeah, to be honest, I'm still very much processing. Um, literally after we got off the plane and went back home, it was straight into work and catching up. So uh, I do have a few kind of thoughts that I've been processing through um, the last few days. I think you brought up a good point. Uh, the the biggest value I think people have to going to these are connecting with people that are very similar. Um, there is an aspect of a frontier that you have with other people. So you can pretty much spill a lot of things that you're going through right now as a startup. And you get to, uh, especially a bootstrap startup, and there's other people that might have been through the journey that can relate or just listen as well. Um, the other beautiful thing that I felt was also just chatting with people that might be two or three steps ahead of you and where your process is or where your organization is. So like at Cloud Forecast right now, we're, we're trying to figure out what it means to build, uh, you know, how you always talk about building a business and company. And we're kind of in that phase where like, how can we scale things and how we can do better? And we've been at this for about three years and it's hard to get a, sometimes a relative barometer of like are we on par or like how long should we be doing this are we dragging our feet and you know some of the people I talked to like Anthony Eden at um, uh, uh, DNS Simple he was like yeah we've been at this for 12 years talked to other people that have been at for eight years 10 years so it's really neat to get that um, relative idea of like time of like how people worked on it because you know, for us, it's it's more about time in and time working on it rather than, um, you know, like just making it grow two or three years or whatnot. So I think that was really cool to hear and kind of get other people's experience in building startups for multiple years at a time. Got it. So it's the kind of measuring, it's pulling some data to figure out, do we feel like we're on the right track? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, what we do is pretty lonely, right? What we do yeah. is... Um, it's it, unless you intentionally seek out the community, intentionally seek out people that are similar to you as a bootstrap startup, it's hard to find people like that. And I think conferences like this or even Tiny Seed, it is a one shot boost of uh, increase of network and people that you get to meet all in one time, right? Otherwise, it would be a lot of effort for you, um, especially if you're building a business on the side. Um, you know, going Twitter or LinkedIn and just finding people like every, every, every type of expert you can find or founders you can find, they're all in one place, which I think is one of the best parts of MarketConf. Everyone talks about the hallway track and I never really understood what that meant. And I think you know, it, it comes in different forms, whether you're doing these meetups or you might step on a in between lunch to talk with someone. Um, I think that was a very valuable part of what it is. And everyone always talks about it. So I, Finally saw it firsthand in person, which was really cool. Yeah, and maybe you can, you know, off this call, you can say a sentence or two that helps me describe, because we try to describe the hallway track and we've said like, it's the best in the world. Like yeah. we are acclaimed for it, you know, but but no matter what we say, it you don't, you, we hear that a lot, what you just said, which is, yeah, I didn't, I've always heard about it, but I didn't realize how cool it really would be. And it's mm -hmm. like, so how can I make you know that it's I, that cool? Yeah, I think the hallway track lends itself that, like all the founders there are very kind, 
good people and very generous people, right? And I think that leads itself to very fruitful conversations within the hallway track, right? Because if you had a bunch of founders who were not within the same mindset and were just kind of all over the place, I don't think a hallway track could exist or, you know, it would be really hard to connect on a deeper level. It would be very surface level, right? But I think everyone just, it just feels like everyone's on the same path. Everyone's kind of in the same mindset. Everyone has the same almost moral compass where it leads to very open conversations and real, real conversations, even if it's like a 15, 20 minute conversation you have. I think that to me was the hallway track, right? Like, or what kind of brings in the hallway track to be successful at microconf. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that is, you know, part of the reason microconf, I think, caught traction or why it worked because there have been so many conferences before during that have shown up for a year or two and then disappeared and they were tangential to microconf or similar or trying to do the same thing or whatever but i think part of the focus a it was getting the right people in the room Mm -hmm. um and and by that it just means like you said it's it's people who want to help one another a mix of experiences so there's people further along on the journey and it's a focus. Um, I've been to, I've been to either attended or spoken at probably, you know, excluding the 25 microcomps, probably another 25 to 50 events in the past decade. Um, after I wrote my book, I did a bunch of speaking for a couple of years. And some, some are better than others. But what I realized is, you know, we, we come for the content and we stay for the community is mm-hmm. usually what happens. And if the community's not there, if the community isn't at least on similar pages with maybe some high level goals, for, you know, freedom, purpose, and relationships, maybe I would summarize it as at microconf. Mm-hmm. Um, but at other events, like you said, where it's a kind of a random mix of people all doing different things, there can still be value in hearing different perspectives, but it, it isn't that feeling of, wow, everybody understands what I'm going through right now. Right. You know, and, and everyone, when I talk, I can I can use that our industry jargon MRR LTV CAC and all that and it's just understood, you know. Yeah, and I think that's a it's a rare to be in a room where everyone understands mm-hmm. where you are and, yeah. and what where you're going. And I think the 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 practically speaking or like when you think of the hallway track, you know, when I first thought about it, I thought it was just more like okay, I'm going to skip a talk and be in the hallway and chat with people, but it was more than that. And it was the, the, the meetups that people had. Like I had a dev tool meetup with a bunch of founders or dinners that you had or, um, you know, late night drinks at the hotel bar. Uh, that was the hallway track. You know, for me, I thought it was like physically the hallway. I mean, that is very much mm-hmm. part of it, but it was uh, more than just the hallway, but it kind of like outside of it, the restaurants you went to as well. And I think it's, 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 it's almost everything that you do outside of it and you're connecting with founders. Um, like even at the, um, even at the last event where we went to the arcade, um, mm-hmm. you know, I see Chaz in here. I had a, a great time chatting with Chaz about what he's doing at Milled and learn a lot about Google analytics and affiliate marketing. I also t- chat with Matt, who's also on, on this, uh, Twitter space as well and connected with him. So it's an, like, it's an encompassing thing where just founders of like-minded, um, kind of that had the same mindset to be able to get together and just chat and relate to each other and have empathy towards each other as well. So I think that was a, that was definitely my biggest takeaway as I was like processing this whole event. Um, Yeah. And that is something that we've leaned into 
Um, you know, when the first year we did MicroConf in 2011, we had 12 speakers over two days. And then we quickly realized it was, that was too many. And so we started dropping it to, it was, I think we dropped to nine and then we did eight for many years. And that's in addition to attendee talks. And this year we had six mm-hmm. and we used the extra time to do the, we had an afternoon where you could pick from six different sessions based on, you know, one was based on like uh, alternative financing and one was based on starting podcasts or growing your podcast. And um, I don't think there was growth and there were, you know, different topics, but they were kind of small room breakouts. And then the other afternoon were activities, right? You could sign up for trapeze or mm-hmm. um, axe throwing or yes. there was improv class. Mm-hmm. And those were experiments because- That sounded like it was a huge hit though. Like it, 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 That's been the, the feedback is people are like, absolutely. And that's what we had hoped, right? Mm-hmm. That's how we tried them is we really wanted to lean into, the, we want to extend the hallway track, you know, even more into the event to give people more time to hang out and, you know, you're hanging out axe throwing, you're hanging out playing a video game, you're hanging out doing mini golf like we did the the last night. And I think it, it, it continues to be the most valuable time mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. Outside of hallway track, there was definitely, I think for us, right, there were a few practical things that were big takeaways for us outside of, you know, the um, outside of what we just chatted. Um, April Dunford's chat was really good um, about creating a point of view for the market and um, ensuring that you, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ensuring that you are putting yourself, uh, putting a stamp in terms of like how you view the market of where you're selling to, right? So I think one thing that we're going to do for Cloud Forecast is for every demo, we're going to start out with three or four slides. Like, hey, this is what we do. This is where we're a good fit for people. This is our competitors. And where they might be a good fit for people and just provide a very strong point of view for um, our users that are coming in for a demo. So I think that was a very uh, good and practical thing and creating a buyer's guide too. Um, So we're probably gonna look into um, executing that with uh, somebody and just a buyer's guide on all the tools within our segment and just providing a point of view on what we think the market's like. So I think that was a really, really good takeaway and a really good start to MicroConf. Yeah, it's nice when, you know, when we try to bookmark the days with, um, because we try to bookmark it with, I think, talks that are going to get people thinking, we want all of our talks to get people thinking, to be honest. But there's something about if you kick the event off with a talk that thuds it definitely sets a weird tone and especially mm-hmm. when we, we we have one talk and then an attendee talk and then i believe it well i, I did say it a bit of its ass and then it was april and attendee talk and then lunch and so if april hadn't knocked it out of the park you go into lunch and you come out at 1 30 and you're like man i haven't heard a good talk yet you know what is it like your first impression is not great and so i agree there were several mo- like the talks this year were really um I think really well executed and that yeah. that helps feel momentum. And again, it's the talks don't make the event, the people do, right? The attendees mm-hmm. do, but the, the talks do give you things to chew on and they spark, it sparks thoughts in your head that it's like, well, now I wanna go discuss this with like other knowledgeable founders and see what other people think about this concept of how, how you know, you think selling is hard, buying is actually way harder, which is what April yeah. said. Yep. And, and then I, so then I would ask, I have a question, what do you think about April's talk specifically? How does it apply to your business? You know, or how should that apply to my business? And then you're able to just take it and further chew on it. 
Yeah, April really set the bar very high for her first talk. And um, that was a very solid talk to start off with. It got everyone going in terms of conversations and practical things, you know, definitely for us internally as well. Your talk was really good too, Rob, on the 30, oh, was it 31 practical things? Yeah, um, 31 to tactics to level up your business, maybe is yes. <laughs> the title? It was yeah. different. That, that's what people like, right? They like what are those quick things? Uh, for me, was the marketing change log you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's something simple, I thought that was really cool. So you can make um, kind of correlation of changes you made. If, like your traffic went down, you can kind of go back to your change log. So I started keeping track of that. Um, the other one that you had was interesting. Was um, just looking through my list here. Um, you had something related to um i can't find it but yeah i think overall like that's what people are looking for is those practical things that they can just implement really quickly right oh the shortcuts the keyboard shortcuts i thought mm. that was really that was really good and um i always go back open zoom copy the the link to our zoom and then paste it in but the keyboard shortcuts and just creating that was a quick win and quick hack uh, save me just quick time. Yeah, yeah, save you time over and over. And that talk for me, I mean, it tied in, I probably wouldn't have done that talk, but it tied into the next afternoon where there was a work session where people at 90 minutes could, could opt to not go to improv or ax throwing, but could opt to work in a, mm -hmm. in a session basically in the main room with me and you know, Xander and I talked and he said, well, should we, we, let's give them a list of things to do. And then it's like, well, should that just be your talk? Is it this list, like come up with a bunch of, you know, mm -hmm. quote unquote hacks or tactics. Um, and so I said, man, I don't, you know, I, that's a, it's a different talk than I've ever given. And it, I just question how valuable, you know, it'll actually be. And, or, and I was also like, yeah, can I even think of more than like 10? And so I sat down and seriously in like 30 minutes, I had like 55. 55 mm -hmm. things. And I eventually weeded out the ones that were maybe a little obvious or just not that great and got it down to that 31. Um, so it was a fun talk to give. And I, I think I did, I definitely got some uh, positive feedback on that. You know, it was, it was the hardcore tactical, here's some growth ideas and we're going to zip through them um, versus a deep dive, right? Which is tends to be more of what, of what I do. Yeah. When I was chatting with people at kind of after your talk, everyone brought up like, hey, you know, that was a no brainer, whatever, you know, whatever things that you brought up, you're like, hey, I'm going to implement XYZ, I'm going to implement so and so marketing change log for sure was a really popular one when I was kind of getting a feel of it, that seemed like a big one, like, oh, why did I think of that? Like, duh, um, just to have one place where you're when you're making changes, uh, everyone can kind of contribute and you can make attributions on what's going on uh, related to traffic or your sign-up tips. So I think that that was probably one of the more popular ones that I've heard around from other people. Yeah, yeah, me as well. I One of my takeaways, or I think a talk that I really appreciated and I look forward to it when we're able to release it is Sherry's talk on... Oh, that was a... That was a way to end. of your exit. Yeah, yes. and that was very deliberate, right? Xander was like carefully mm -hmm. crafting of like end of the conference with a talk about exits. You know, not everyone will exit eventually, <laughs> whether you, you know, whether you sell or whether you, you know, hopefully not go out of business or whether you pass it on to your kids or whatever. There's going to be some way where you're not, you know, at some point you're not going to run the business. And she brought up, I loved the way she pulled out 
she has all this experience. I mean, gosh, a chunk of her business consulting is just about people exiting, exiting or going public. And so she has talked to so many people about it. And so she pulled out six elements, I would say, or after, six elements of an exit. And it's things like, you know, how mentally prepared you are, um, how you, your relationship to your business, like whether you view it as a part of extension of yourself or whether it's this external thing, your, your, is it like your team's relationship to the business or how your team thinks about it? Um, and the reason for exiting, like it was six things she walked through and then she kind of defined them as a framework. And then she told three stories of, uh, you know, uh, anonymized stories of founders who exited and how they fared on these six elements, these six metrics. Mm -hmm. um, metrics is not the right word, but kind of how they fared on them. And I, I just, I loved the format of that, right? Because it was like, here's the framework and now let's case study three times and see who who did well and who did not do well, but in other, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's not their fault, you know? The, the biggest takeaway I got that from that was like, no exit's going to be clean, right? No exit, like no matter how much you try to prepare or, you know, throw the best lawyers, there's always going to be an aspect of something that you did not plan for or unexpected things that happen, right? Um, so I thought that was a really um, good takeaway that she kind of honed in on and um, like reality as well. Like that's something that all bootstrap founders strive for, but there's so much parts of it that we just can't control. And, and I think she um, does a really good job in kind of framing that and, um, and putting that out there for founders to realize. Yeah. And may may or may not be starting to think about writing a book on <laughs> on the psychology of exits because there are there are a handful of good books about exiting um john warlow has written a couple and um there's finish big and i'm trying to think there, there's dan andrews has before the exit i think it's called mm -hmm. after the exit i forget but but that that's about it um, in general, but and none of them. Well, they all they touch on the psychology of it, but they tend to talk more about the the mechanics. <clears throat> and I think that there's there's room for more info on on exits. I think I think you know a lot more people go through them than we realize, right? So many exits are not announced; they're not public. Um, and frankly, just everybody exits eventually. I mean, really, like there's so many people who I thought would run their businesses for decades and. Me included, right? When I started Drip, I didn't intend to sell it. And then three years later, it's like, oh, well, offer I can't refuse. I get mm. someone to sell it. And and you're not, and I wasn't super prepared for it. I read books mm. quickly, but it was definitely, you know, I found myself nodding along and sure was talking. And I was like, yeah, yeah. You have and you, you don't really, you, you read about the exits and you hear about the hurrahs and happiness and on such, and that's great, but you don't really hear or learn about the raw psychology that comes with before, during, and even after as well, right? The after part too, it's like, we're all very motivated startup people. Like, what do you do afterwards, after you exit, after you fully um, vested, right? Like what's next? And I think that that is the scary part. And it's kind of similar to athletes, right? Athletes after they retire, it's like, what's next, right? These are highly motivated people. And like, what's next for you after that? So I think, her touching on that and just be able to um, talk a little bit more about that and being very transparent about that. And with those case studies were, that was phenomenal. Yeah. 
Do you have a, that was one of my kind of takeaways. Do you have another one? Um, another good takeaway with uh, Sherry's talk or just in general? Just anything, just in general. Yeah, there was another good chat too on the, 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 the breakaway sessions with uh, Dev mm. and um, the marketing person from Hay. Uh, that was not recorded, uh, unfortunately, but he provided some really good metrics and analytics that all bootstrap startups, uh, startup founders should be tracking. Mm. And it was very practical, he provided a lot of math and a lot of just formulas and um, just, it was very digestible. I think some that, that can be a very difficult topic for a lot of founders because there's just so much that we can be tracking. There's so much that we can be looking at and Google Analytics does not make it easy. Um, there's a lot of noise in the space, but um, he provided a really good framework. Uh, I think he mentioned that it, he did a similar talk with somebody else that was recorded. So I have to go back and kind of digest it. But I thought that was a very a solid one where a lot of people took a lot of practical knowledge uh, from that talk of like, okay, here are the three metrics that you should be tracking. That's that's what I heard as well. So it was Dev Basu and Elaine yep. Richard, who's the COO at Basecamp. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Dev was kind of a last minute add-on, I think a week or two mm -hmm. before. And I hadn't heard of him, but Sherry knows him from uh, another event that she goes to and, and really vouched for him and said, he's legit. And you, you know, you should think about having him speak. But of course, we didn't have speaking slots available two weeks before. Mm -hmm. But he he made it into the, you know, what was the small group session or the, the work group. And right away, people came out and said, I think Craig Hewitt came out and he was like, no, because Craig was in podcasts. Who was it? It was a tiny team founder came out and said, you need to get him on stage. Yep. <laughs> he should speak next year. So then I started asking around and and. I think Tracy, who is a um, program director at Tiny Seed, had dinner with him that, that night in a group. And she's like, I invited him to be a mentor because <laughs> he's, he's so knowledgeable and he just fits it, you know, fits it perfectly. So Yeah, Elaine, they, they did a really good because she went with the qualitative and he went with the quantitative, right? Yeah. And I think that was a really good way to see marketing because like we, we sometimes don't combine the two, right? And her qualitative was very similar to April Dunford's chat about like positioning and buying is hard, uh, very similar to also Asia's chat as well about go-to-market strategy and all that kind of stuff. So she did a really good job of framing like, oh, how to position, jobs to be done and so on. And then Dev came in and hit you with the quantitative stuff of like how you should be measuring some of those things that you're doing with, um, with your marketing activities. Yep, yep. And... Producer Xander just sent me some notes. He said, um, Dev, and I forgot, Dev is the founder of Powered by Search. Mm -hmm. And Dev has been invited and has accepted to a, a keynote slot at Growth, MicroConf Growth US in 2023 in Denver. Tickets are on sale now, microconf.com slash growth, if you I, are interested. I already told Tracy that as soon as Dev is put into the tiny seed advisor list and he's available for chat, I got dibs on the first call. With yeah, first call. <laughs> that's awesome. I got dibs. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, cool. Let me see. I'm looking at my list of stuff. Um, I. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, there's some people here on the chat that, like Don, Don was a, yeah. uh, a, a speaker as well. Speaker. Loved his story about um, his uh, modified stairs approach. Yep, where he talked exit. about 
instead of instead of building a, a small app, easy focused step one, and then building multiple, and then building a complex SaaS, he built a SaaS first, and then another SaaS, and then a two sided marketplace. And it was that was like the the punchline of each thing is what you know what you were supposed to do, and then then what he did, and yet he had success with it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he had an exit, um, and now he's uh, you know had the fastest growth. I think he said uh, it was at one point two million ARR. Um, mm-hmm. through his current business that is, you know, it's just doing really well. And he's working a full-time job. He's doing this on the side. So it's like this yes, really that incredible was, story. That was the most wild part to me was that he works full-time as well. Um, yeah. Or he was working full-time as well, um, in addition to building this startup on the side, which was like crazy to me. Um, but I loved his full takeaway of like, remember your why or something like that. And yeah. he posted a picture of his family. I'm like, oh, um, somebody's cutting onions around here. So yeah. I think that was a that was a really great way to wrap it up. Is be you know, for us our, our why is like for me it's it's my wife, right? And kind of um, being able to spend more time with her and my family. I thought that was a like it's not about the money, right? It's it's about building a lifestyle for yourself that you have a good balance of being able to do other things as well. Right. That's the relationships part of um, my my constant phrase, right? My refrain, freedom, purpose, and relationships. And one of the reasons that the talk fits so what Don's talk fits so well into MicroConf is that my, the MicroConf ethos is about family. You know, it's about relationships. It's about personal freedom. It's about um, having, like, finding that purpose that makes you excited. But then it is about maintaining other relationships. And that's, I think, sets it apart from say a traditional, you know, Silicon Valley conference, right? Or an event with a lot of startups where it's like, people really do want to work 78 hour weeks. And that's not something that is necessarily, it's not really a value of a lot of the people that attend. And so I don't know if Don knew in advance, but he he included multiple pictures of his family. And that's something that a lot of us do uh, Mm -hmm. as microconf speakers. It has become a tradition of like, this is my why, or I have great advice for you, but remember, what's important here's my family you know and and i thought it just tied in really well with our ethos that has that has developed over the years cool well i'm trying to think if there's anything else if we should move towards obviously there's tons of other things i mean there were six talks we had you know asia arangio and and marin kate donovan um and uh you know just i think some really good good uh content coming out of it i will say one of my highlights Sir, was the closing party, which was at Can Can Wonderland, which if you've never been to it, it's in um, St. Paul. And if you come to Minneapolis at all, you need to check it out. It is a, um, it's an arcade plus mini golf. It's all indoors. So, because it's, of course, it's cold here in the, in the winter, right? So it's, it's an indoor mini golf um, thing with 18 holes. And each hole is designed by a different local artist. So there's these kooky, weird holes. And, um, there is a bar there and then the video games are all like what would you say tony like late 80s early 90s some even earlier some of like 50s yeah oh yeah there were some carnival yeah there were like the old mechanical games from the 40s and 50s Mm -hmm. on one side and then there's a bunch of 80s and 90s but it just never like i go there with my kids because like 20 minutes from my house but there was something about and i've been there sherry performs aerial there you know every month or two uh during Mm -hmm. non-covid times so i've been there a bunch but there was something about the magic of being there with all of you 
like mm-hmm. the place became this like these are all my people like the i'm among my people and so i could i could hang out and again people were playing mini golf and i would go up and play a video uh, you know a, a shooting video game where you pick up the physical you know terminator 2 machine gun and i was talking to to keep Perhack about his business and then I'm talking to someone from my team and then I, you know, run into a speaker and I start talking to Asia about things, Asia Rangio. And it's like, this is, I kind of want this like once a month is really what it came down to. Like, I want this all the time. You know, that feeling of, of belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it was also, what helped was also the open bar as well. <laughs> you think so? I think there's a yes. lot of liquid. Get, a, get, get, get people talking um, and chatting yeah. and really enjoying themselves, which was really cool. And the all-you-can-eat ice cream as well, like the ice cream bar, that was pretty fun, too. That was great. There was all-you-can-eat ice cream? I didn't even see that. Are you kidding me? You missed it? Yeah. Oh, was, my gosh. Yeah, there, was, you can, there was open ice cream bar, too. And you can put – they um, you could do boozy ice cream as well. I think they like – People doing that. Yeah, there were it was it was good times. Oh, I can't believe I missed that. Now I have deep regret, deep personal regret about that night because ice cream is my thing, man. That's my superpower is ice cream consumption. Mm-hmm. No, that was so, that was really fun. I think that was a really great way to wrap it up. Uh, I chatted with people that I didn't get a chance to meet during the conference as well, and it was just very laid back vibes. Um, as mentioned, that's where. I met Chaz and Matt. Um, I, I mean, I met Matt before, but um, we just chatted over beers and just hung out right by the bar for probably the last hour. Derek Derek Reimer was there as well. We 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 got we had a chance to connect and chat, so it was a really great way to wrap things up. And I think having a smaller conference was it was nice because like I think I probably met seventy or eighty percent of the people there and got to connect with them, and it was a lot easier to just find people and chat with. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Great way to wrap it up. And with that, I feel like we should wrap up here. Thanks everyone for joining us. Um, Tony Chan, my guest today, you can follow him. I was gonna say it's T-O-E-K-N-E-E-1-2-3 on Twitter. So it's Tony123. And thanks to everyone. Don, thanks for coming. You know, I know you spoke last week and it's great to have you. There's a lot of folks that uh, whose names I recognize and faces I recognize in the audience. Thanks for showing up. I hope to see y'all at the next microconf, whether it's a local in your town nearby. Um, we're still planning on doing, I don't know, six or seven of those, assuming we can pull it off this year uh, in lieu of COVID and all that. Um, and then microconf growth next year in Denver, 2023. Tickets are on sale, microconf.com slash growth. Thanks so much for joining me, Tony. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. And thanks everybody for hanging out. Thanks so much for joining me again today. Again, tickets for MicroConf Remote are now on sale, microconfremote.com, and tickets for our MicroConf local in London also on sale. Head to microconf.com to check those out. And we will be back in your ears again next Tuesday morning.